0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff.
1: Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. So this is Dan and I'm coming to you today from Los Angeles, California and I'm with a with a very special guest, Douglas Kirkland, and we are sitting outside at his house and we've had motorcycles, we've had aircraft of some sort, and we've got a radio station coming through the recorder. So we were just talking about how amazing it is to be able to sit outdoors in the winter in January and do an interview. So Douglas, how are you?
0: I'm very good, and uh, I don't hear any radio station or anything like that. I did hear a helicopter a few minutes ago, maybe a motorcycle. I, I hear
1: a, a faint uh, little course of music in the background, but if I don't put my hand near the audio recorder, it actually uh, it seems to fade away. But it's okay. a first for me. But I think we should just keep going.
0: So yeah, we have things to talk about. Dan. We got a
1: lot of stuff to cover. Um, we were just talking about this as well in great part you and I are sitting here right now because of our spouses mm-hmm. uh, my wife was really pressing me and you and I have talked about doing this for a long time and then your wife Francoise uh, spoke Francoise Fra- Francoise
0: Francoise a man
1: Francoise Fra- with that's I pronounced it right correct
0: okay Francoise 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 like it's a Z on the end of like
1: it? a Z okay Francoise and uh, they got together and said hey we should really do this and and consequently we're here and my, my question is that one of the things that I've seen with really successful people is that typically there's always this great team with them and, and behind them and Francoise has been a big part of your life for a long time. How did you how did you meet?
0: I was uh, sent to Paris uh, <clears throat> from New York where I lived years ago and uh, the project was to photograph Audrey Hepburn and there was a movie she was making and I spent three weeks in Paris and uh, it's a very funny quick story I can tell you Uh, Francoise's mother Simone Coulter uh, was uh, the publicist on that movie and I was working with her out at the studio on the west side of Paris at the Studio de Boulogne and uh, she came out to visit her mother one day she was in her last year at the Sorbonne Uh, political science and English and um, she came out to visit her mother one day and it was a very funny thing because I just arrived very recently a day or so earlier and I was jet lagged and I sat down in one of the vacant offices and I stretched out and she described it as being sort of thing that people think of Americans doing. And I put my feet on a desk that was, uh, no one was sitting there. So I put my feet there and went to sleep. And she came into that office and saw me sleeping. She said it it looked like sort of a John Wayne character or something with his feet up. And um, that was how we met. And you know how long ago that was? Tell me. Uh, the second of December, like about a month ago. Yeah, it was 50 years ago, and we've been together ever since. Wow! So
1: 50 years. And how old were you when that happened? When you guys met?
0: Uh, I think I was probably 30ish, and she was she was 21. Nine difference. Nine year difference.
1: And you'd been shooting for a while by that point.
0: I, I had been shooting much of my life from uh, the age of. I took my first picture at 10, and then I was working for the local newspaper in my small Canadian town within the next five years and photographing babies and whatever there was to photograph. And I, I had a uh, a realization that photography was it. And, it was it for uh, you? Was yeah. there
1: any one particular ingredient?
0: Yes, yeah, so I've tried to th- realize or consider what what persuaded me to become a photographer. And, you know, the simplest answer that I can give is I wanted people to see what I saw. I wanted to be able to focus on this or that and show it in the best way I could. And uh, in the early days, I worked in a dark room a lot and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. We all did. And uh, developer, shortstop, and hypo, as we used to say. (laughs) And uh, wash the prints at the end. And it was very much the same with the negatives, and uh, there was a it was an interesting point there time uh, because what people thought of photography was vastly different than what is imagined or thought of today. Uh, at that time, they used to call a, a photographer a professional photographer. Mm, uh, I like that yeah, spiffy, uh, very, very yeah, yeah. spiffy. Yeah. Okay. So you had to really learn it. You had to learn how to adjust the lights because the films were very slow. Mm-hmm. They were, if the fast film was 100, Super XX Kodak film back then.
1: That's what gave it the speed was the super in the front. That's right, Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And they also made Super X, which was half that speed. It was not... 100 it was 50.
1: Was this prior to Panatomic X or was it all at the same uh, time?
0: Panatomic a- X came out very soon after okay. I got into the, the world of film and photography and that was uh it was plus X in between.
1: Plus X. But so. pa- Panatomic X to me was a little bit like the Sasquatch of photography because mm-hmm. By the time I came along, it was just the legend of Panatomic X, and there were t- there's talk of guys that made their entire career on that mm-hmm. one film, and how it was so different and so magical. But I I never got to see it, so it's the it's still the. i to tell you
0: one other magic name it was Kodachrome. Oh yeah, Kodachrome had been developed by two uh, musicians who worked for Kodak, and uh, legend has it that they would uh, time the time required in certain chemistry uh, as they were developing the Kodachrome in total darkness mm-hmm. to um, different music that they knew they would hung it or s- hum it or sing it and uh, that would establish how long the process had been going because they knew <laughs> so many beats yeah would 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 make it so uh you know that was the that was the codex wonderful most wonderful color film mm-hmm. and it was a transparency film the original one I had was 10 ISO Ooh. 10
1: and see I only knew 25 yeah 25 64
0: 200 oh you were you were in, in heaven well, because and,
1: and I, if, if GERD is coming over here later, GERD was one of the first people whose work I remember seeing was Kodachrome 200 uh-huh. in the National Geographic, right, right. and I was like, oh, that looks kind of like Tri-X, but it's color, Yeah, and it, it turns exactly. out, that's why everybody co- always referred to it as the color Tri-X, yeah. Right. I mean, Kodachrome, yeah. Kodachrome is still, when you see an image or a print or a transparency, and it's Kodachrome, it's, it's an immediately apparent kind of thing, and, and it is it's unique.
0: Now, the interesting thing I will add to what you just said, there was a uniqueness, and we all sought to use it whenever we could, if it was, the light was bright enough, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, people I worked for in New York and other places uh, used to love it because they could get very crisp definition from it. But the interesting thing, Dan, I will have to say, is I've, I've now I'm learning in the living in the world of digital. Yep. And uh, people often say to me, well digital ever be as good as film? Well, the reverse is true. It, uh, I have Kodachrome images that I blew up big mm-hmm. and I can go back to uh, very similar photography that I did in fashion work and everything mm-hmm. uh, that I did with digital. And I can exceed even what Kodachrome showed.
1: Yeah, digital is 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 incredible in terms of the technical side and the resolving power and also in the ability that it has to see in the dark mm-hmm. in some Absolutely. cases if you shot at 6400 with a roll of film you could shoot it 1200 on a, on a digital sensor mm-hmm. and it will literally see into every shadow in that Absolutely. frame it sees so well that sometimes you have to go back to the software and compensate by bringing it back down to more like what you saw it's, uh, but, but there was, a, I guess, a difference in the, the film gave us a way, a different way of working in a terms of... A different way of, of seeing. And, and not being able to see the work. Yes. So you, you occupied yourself with a different kind of mental process, and also how you interacted with the subjects Absolutely. was a little differently.
0: Uh, yeah, there was no looking in the back of the camera. In fact, some, one, a student was reported to have said, after watching someone give a lecture, which they were talking about, just the use of film, and they said, well, how did you know the exposure if you couldn't look at the back of the camera and see it? That's <laughs> rather unbelievable, but I'm told that's, that is that is one of the legendary stories of our era here in, in yeah. the, the 2000s. Yeah, it's, 2000s. A,
1: it's, a, it's a different world. We were talking earlier when I was taking pictures where I use the light meter. And I love using a light meter now because when you pull it out, no one has any idea what it is. Right. And I'll tell people, they'll say, what is that? And I'll say, it's a Geiger counter. <laughs> and they'll, their eyes get big and they're like, really? What are now, you taking readings for? Jared
0: Ludwig is coming over and yeah. he has been at Chernobyl. And there is a, a form of Diger, Geiger counter, which is reading the radioactivity the the radio yep. of the area. And you have so long you can be down there exposed and, to it
1: and it's not long
0: no it's something it's 10 minutes or something of like that and then yeah. it's it starts bleep beep 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 bleep, <laughs> and that's telling you get out charlie or it's all over
1: <laughs> yeah and gerd has been going for a long time to chernobyl that's yes, he um, has. which which quite a transition because that leads me to my to my next question Normally when I do an interview with someone at the very beginning, I say I'm with Douglas Kirkland and then I give people a little breakdown of your career. The Mm -hmm. problem is when I went to your biography page, it is so long and you have done so much and not just overall, but in terms of awards and exhibitions and books and the places you've been. But the word legend gets thrown around a lot. But in your case, it's it's real. You are one of the legends in photography. And my question is that. Like for example, I came up in in documentary world and the guy for me who was the the documentary person in my lifetime was Salgado. And when I look at Salgado and what he's done in his career, I look around and I think to myself, where is the next Salgado? And I don't see another Salgado coming. And it's for a variety of things. But in your case, who's the next Douglas Kirkland?
0: Honestly, you can't really say because it is guided by so many um, things that have happened uh, for example we we were talking also earlier about what, the changes in photography mm-hmm. and uh, I you know one of them regrettably or sadly for me is that digital on uh, tele phones oh, and yeah. uh, that has sort of cheapened the the idea of making an image for for a lot of people. You just use your cell, you pull it out of your pocket and Oh, mm-hmm. click, I made a f- picture. Oh, take a look at this. Oh, I should get closer. I should get li- light, make it lighter and darker, darker. I can do all those things. But we all know that is the reality. But reg- regrettably, that has made the process look so simple
1: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, people don't usually get the most out of photography. Like, you work with black and white, mm-hmm. with a Hasselblad, with a, an 80 millimeter lens, I believe. Mm-hmm. 2.8 and you can do magic with it, but that concept can't even go through people's mind. They say, what is Tri-X and what is uh, an 80 mm 2.8 lens? Mm-hmm. They don't learn any of that. They just learn how to pick it up and push a button and say, oh, isn't that wonderful? And then they come to you and they, it, it is in some ways diminished the importance of photography for many people. Uh, now I do not. I'm not troubled by that myself because I have done a lot of different things. I've done fashion photography. I've certainly worked a lot around the movies. Yeah. In fact, I just came back from uh, from Spain working on a film called the the uh, the Promise. Um,
1: well, Douglas, you you shoot as much as anyone I know. And it, it doesn't matter if they're starting out or someone who's later in their career. You shoot, you've always been that way since the day that I met you. You seem to be on the road and shooting as much today as you ever have, which is well, pretty Francoise incredible. Well
0: Francoise, my wife has had a great deal to do with that. Get, getting back to our partners yeah. <laughs> uh, and how important they are. You know, F- Francoise and I have been together for 50 years now, as I think I may have mentioned that. And, um, you know, that, that is, uh, has a richness to it because we th- tend to think alike mm-hmm. and she can be critical of my work sometimes and uh, I can answer her in different ways, but I usually uh, really include her in, as part of the process mm-hmm. because I respect her, her judgment and uh, all of this contributes to what Douglas Kirkland really is and it's a combination of the equipment we have available. Mm -hmm. I happen to use cannons, but there are other Other. cameras that people use. Sure. And uh, cannons have been very good with me, but before that I used the Hasselblad with film, and uh, in between, that was what we call two and a quarter square or six by six centimeters. And and then I worked with a six by seven Mamiya also also a good camera Uh, yeah rotating back etc and uh, I worked with a lot in between and there was great anticipation of what digital would bring us now it's here and uh, you'll get the most out of your assignments and subjects if you can clarify in your mind what you should get what is the story here you know and I come again I work for Look magazine later life magazine and we talked of stories not just pictures right what is a story it's a series of pictures that all connect and give a lot of information with a minimum of words and and look
1: and life were the magazines that you worked at when you were in your 20s and you were getting into photography did one? Right. when and those are considered yeah. still to this day to be the pinnacle of the of the picture magazine universe when, when you were back in shooting for them, did you have any idea, or did anyone have any idea the relevance that these would have and how amazing that the ability to be able to publish essays was, or was it just so new that that was not even in context?
0: It wasn't new. Photography had been around since uh, the middle of the 1800s, and uh, but it was different. It, the way it was used was frequently through newspapers and uh, the the um, purity of it uh, grew and eventually in our time it's ended up in museums uh... and um, galleries and and that is a great deal of where our income is derived today there's not a life magazine uh, as we knew it or a look right. magazine but there's interestingly a demand for our images and uh, we have a f- printer in there uh, Again, it happens to be a Canon, but it could have been, I worked with HP's earlier mm-hmm. and others, but uh, we print these pictures, you've seen some of them sitting there, and they go all over the world. We have a, a very good agent in London, and uh, this is a great part of our income. But most of all is having a passion and a desire to speak with your pictures. Mm-hmm. And we also do books. We've just, we're coming up to book 20 uh, with text and, and pictures in.
1: Okay, so let's, I'm gonna jump ahead and we're going because you mentioned books, so I was gonna talk about this a bit later, but let's go into it right now. You, you, this'll be your 20th book. What was the first book that you did?
0: The first book was interestingly, was uh, I, we, I worked, with a, the, the man who had been the art director at Look Magazine, Will Hopkins, and um, we put dummies together, you know, just put a make a package mm-hmm. with your pictures, and um, we did a number of them, and we couldn't sell them at all, and what happened is there was a a, a period in the beginning of the 90s where... Picture books started to be realized the, the value of sure. them with text, and uh, there was a man named Ray Demolland. Oh yeah, Kodak. Uh, at Kodak. Yeah. And he was very supportive of the uh, the way of using photography. I mean, he got uh, he was the one who got uh, 200 Kodachrome created and all sorts of things like that.
1: Well, speak it's its fitting you bring his name up because in the Kodak circles, he is also a legend.
0: Oh, uh, undeniable. When I,
1: I worked at Kodak starting in 97 and the, Ray Demolin was this mythical figure that everyone, when I started working in LA, I could see them looking at me and wondering, are you gonna be like, like Ray? Because Ray uh-huh. supported so many projects.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that, that what happened is the we couldn't seem to get it working we do layouts, we do dummies, etc. And uh, then Ray came along and he supported a book called uh, Light Years. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. It was that. made yeah.
1: quite large. Oversized, yeah.
0: Yeah, and Will Hopkins did the design on it. And uh, suddenly that came out and we were on the tube, on television, on, on radio. Uh, we They couldn't suddenly get enough of the stories of what. Marilyn Monroe was like, what uh, Sophia Loren was like, mm-hmm. and, and even uh, Mary Pickford, who was um, a legend in the early 20th century, and Charlie Chaplin, and I worked with all of these people and they wanted to know. And so Francoise and I got comfortable with writing text as well, and suddenly there was a package. And then once you see the package, it gives a, a way of showing your images mm-hmm. because people have to see them somehow <clears> or <throat> In the early days, for me, look, I was given great opportunities. Uh, I was put together with people and doors were always open mm-hmm. when I would have something I wanted to do. That went away to a great, much greater de- degree But now we have books, and uh, the first one was um, about everyone from uh, Marilyn to Charlie Chaplin to, and it goes down the the line to.
1: Do, Do books still mean the same thing to you today that they did back then?
0: Yes, they do. One of our recent books was Douglas Kirkland Life and Pictures. And uh, we wrote 40,000 words of text. That was a lot of that's pages. That's a lot. Yeah. That's novel. But there was a lot to, to talk about.
1: Well, that, that's, that's the one thing I want to bring up, is that you came into photography at a time where it afforded you a lifestyle that is, that is really unique to the world. And I think even for people who are getting into photography today... For the general public the idea of being a photographer is a a romantic notion that you Mm -hmm. lead this unbelievable life and you're one of the people who actually did live this life so the stories that you lived and the behind the scenes of what you did to me is incredibly important because people are not getting that kind of access anymore they're not getting that kind of time with people and it's that's a huge part of the story
0: it is indeed and uh I guess I was very lucky to establish myself when there were picture magazines. I never ex- expected to work for a look or life. Uh, that seemed very unlikely or distant. I would have been happy to have a, a job in a small newspaper, and, but that was, I went to photographic school as well up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, I, I got so much, but it was the joy of photography. And frankly, what uh, life in photography is really all about is where I've gone, who I've been with, and Francoise wrote sections uh, as well. And it's, it's speaking with your voice and with honesty as much as we can, and that goes for the pictures as well. Now, I have certainly modified pictures with Photoshop occasionally, mm-hmm. but I don't want to overly do that. Because that can be destructive as well, and sure. not tell an honest story. And the uh, funny thing is, people sometimes say to me, "Don't you think photography is being destroyed by, by uh, Photoshop?" And to a large degree, I'd say, with many people, yes. Mm-hmm. But you know, we could put put pictures together all through this. Previous century, sure, and there were different ways of doing it. Man Ray was a great photographer in France, an American living in France, and he did oh yeah incredible material. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We can't help but respect. And there was Arnold Newman; he had a different style, a different look. Yep. Slim Aaron's, you know, there were so many people. That's the richness of it. We have history you can look at, and some of that developed as the equipment developed now I still use an 8x10 camera for specific uses
1: well I wanted to ask you about that because when I went through your website I knew already that you shot 8x10 and the first 8x10 work of yours that I ever saw was from Australia the Baz Luhrmann film and you was the 8x10s of Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman and when you see that work to me I every time I see it it just stops me and then from that I saw your other portraits with 8x10 what prompted you to dig that out, and, and why are you using it?
0: Uh, well, to begin with, uh, I, I, one of my jobs early on was working on a commercial studio in Buffalo, New York, and then I also worked with Irving Penn, the photographer, and he used everything. And uh, it was a, it's a different way of seeing and moving and observing with these different cameras. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 8 by 10 in case people are not aware of that, what it is is it's a, a camera that you put a, 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 a black hood over your black head. Black hood over your head, look, yeah. Look through the back of it, and the image is inverted, and you have to imagine what it would be like if it was inverted again. Exactly. And, uh, but the interesting thing is you learn to speak to this camera. And you have to build it. It's always on a tripod. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it ever not being. And uh, you learn to get tight. And uh, Richard Abaddon used it a lot.
1: And it shoots an eight by ten piece of film. It's a giant it's a piece of film negative
0: in yeah. in a uh, film holder. And it's. It's uh, 8 by 10 inches or 20 by 25 centimeters, if you prefer.
1: So earlier tonight when I was going to photograph you, I pulled out my Hasselblad, and you said uh, something like, ah, Hasselblad, and we talked about the Hasselblad, and I said one of the things that I enjoyed about it was when I pull it out, to photograph someone these days, it's always a topic of conversation. Right. What is it like to work with the 8 by 10, and how does somebody well, like... okay. How, what, do, what does the subject do when you when you unveil that Well, thing? to begin
0: with, they know you're serious. I photograph directors <laughs> with it, and... Uh, a lot of stars and um, it's a supplement it's not the principal camera it's it's like sitting here and talking tonight we have time right to to speak but uh, if uh, you're you if you want if somebody's gonna move around that's not the camera for them right you 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 have to have a cooperative subject and what I do is the way it works is you look through the back of that camera see the inverted image then you move it in tighter, maybe change the lens or something, or the f-stop, and then when you're sort of satisfied, what I do is I say to the subject, please keep your position where it is. I say, if you move an inch or two, you're going to be out of focus. And uh, I don't think that would... We either, either one of us want that. Yeah. <laughs> because you look great as you are. Yeah. And what what is what happens one of the things is you have an unusually shallow depth of field in other words the f- background is
1: it's just gone
0: wonder, wonderfully out of focus yeah and uh, so you you take talk to people this way and advise them that they can't move and if there's somebody who cannot sit still i'd say get a different camera out But most people are fascinated and want to see what you will do with them. I mean, uh, it's quite surprising to me. Uh, Baz Luhrmann, I photographed with it, Mm -hmm. and his wife, Catherine Martin. And um, so many people, actors.
1: I think for a lot of people, they will never have anything else like that, ever. They'll never, there aren't people running around with these cameras. There's only a handful. So the odds that even someone like, a, a well-known celebrity the odds of them being photographed by an 8x10 so it it would seem like they would want to participate because people even want to participate with the Hasselblad because mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. when I shot the first frame and you said oh that's such an amazing sound people are saying the same thing like oh this this feels like it's back and forth here and not the just technology in
0: the Hasselblad is quite amazing in your 500 C or CF or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, because what happens in there you're looking through the lens and when, once you push that button, the shutter closes and the back curtain closes as well. And then it opens and you have the instant image. And that all happens in a 50th of a second, approximately. Yeah. And uh, that gives you a different look too, because that gives you out of focus backgrounds. And uh, there are a lot of different lenses available for that camera. I have, I have as long a lens as a 500 which looked quite wonderful oh, yeah. on Mamiya. And I also have, uh, well I have, I had just about all the lenses including a 40 millimeter which is uh, very much like a, uh, a very wide camera in a traditional 35 millimeter size. More like, it's more like a, a 25, 20 millimeter lens on, this, on a 35 millimeter camera.
1: So this question's a a little in a different direction, but I think having spent uh, the last five years working for Blurb and traveling around and working with photographers and designers and artists and illustrators and things, I've sort of... I've
0: done a number of Blurb books, by the way.
1: That's where I was angling. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Well, we can talk about that in a minute. I, I was just curious about something. I've, over the past five years, kind of developed a different appreciation for the creative world in general. And I think oftentimes when you look at... Governments around the world including our own they the creative world is not necessarily looked upon as this valuable Contributor to the to the sort of nitty-gritty of of society But in fact it is it's actually a really important part Where do you
0: record of our who
1: we are? Where do you see? What's the importance of photography today to for you? Or in your not just your photography, but in general what is photography's purpose?
0: It's a recording device television and movies certainly are recording devices as well and uh, photography is involved in in those as well, although it's not a still camera but it's uh, getting the movement and uh, again you can express yourself through any of these, add words to your pictures which some photographers strangely are uncomfortable with They, Mm -hmm. they say my picture should speak for itself I'm not a believer in that because I feel uh, people are often interested and uh, that's what we do books like A Life in Pictures uh, with. We, we're showing the pictures, telling a story of what happened and how it happened. And that it, it expands the, the learning you can get from it and the process of uh, everything. And uh, I say everything, I mean every, the input of, to the image. And then, to see it in galleries and museums, I have a number of museums all over the world, mm-hmm. and uh, I was, we were recently invited to Monaco in, in sort of the south corner of France. And um, we, in one week, I'm, gonna, I'm generalizing here, we sold $37,000 worth of images. Wow that's I'm just that's the magnitude of it and uh, we don't just do it for money we don't at all we we are comfortable but we're not millionaires for a number of reasons but that is exciting they want to see what you recorded what was Sophia land really like and uh, mm-hmm. or or they, know, have, they want to hear any, the stories they want to hear the story they want to see the image they want to it's almost astonishing to me, people want to live with that image on their wall. Uh, probably yep. our, our best selling images are Marilyn Monroe. I spent one evening shooting her. Mm-hmm. I saw her before and after, but the shoot itself was that long. And uh, our Marilyn Monroe's 40 by 60 sell for more than $10,000. Now th- this is not what it's about. This allows me to do what I want. When I want to do a book, I can do you it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is tremendously exciting. I wouldn't want to mislead anybody with these numbers, but uh, those are realities. And, and I consider myself exceedingly lucky. Now Francoise has had a great deal to do with this and uh, contributes with her her culture. She's French, obviously. I'm. Canadian English Mm -hmm. Canadian and um, we uh, we run together very well she's from Paris and I have spent a lot of time in Paris a lot of time in Italy and also Australia it's an odd combination
1: but here's the thing she's she's an unbelievable woman even though I can't pronounce her name she's definitely unbelievable woman and you guys have this this amazing synergy together but the other bottom line is that you delivered with a camera and you went out with those Look magazine and those Life magazine assignments early on and if had you not produced you wouldn't have gotten subsequent stuff so you you came through but it leads me to wonder at the time you came into photography and even the time I came into photography which was late 80s early 90s photography was looked at a permanent historical accurate uh, recording mechanism as, as you say and now we're living in a culture of immediacy where things are about the right now, the today, the second, and they're consumed and, and in some ways forgotten. Even the stuff that goes viral within 48 hours is, is oftentimes forgotten because people want more. So yeah. how, how does it feel to have this archive of history that's 50 year archive of history in a world that's that's really consumed with the immediate? But yet at the same time, people respond to what you have because, like, for, for example, the Marilyn shoot, um, you were only with her for that one shoot. But what you produced in that shoot was really good.
0: Wrote words as well.
1: And you wrote words. Uh, was that something you did all along? Did you write words? Well,
0: I lived, uh, uh, um, I lived with journalists a lot, traveled at Look and then at Life. So you, you learn the, the process of thinking uh, I had a f- wonderful friend named Jack Hamilton who worked with me with Marilyn. And I saw how he built the the words in, in the story. And uh, that's w- very much what I did with that book as well as the other books we've done.
1: And did you write as you were going in a journal or did you do it after the fact?
0: Uh, it's usually done after the fact, but it, it, some people do it in a, in a good way with a regular journal. The only misfortune I would say to that is you've become... If you become too distracted from your camera,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: probably won't get the best images. And what I do is I get, I go to the edge on pushing to get the strongest image I could mm-hmm. or could, can at the time. And I feel the fire in the belly. I truly do. And um, uh, I want it to be strong. I want it to be positive. And, um, and that's and what I'm looking for at the time of shooting. And then I think about it later, and I ask myself certain questions. What kind of a day was it? Where was I nervous? Maybe I wasn't, maybe I was. What elements contributed to that? These are all the, this is, you know, for me that's why uh, it's great to do text as well, because you can uh, show a little more. Now, some photographers will say, I say it with my image. Right. Well, I I don't say anything's wrong with that, but. I want to have, have surround myself with more information rather than less. Now, there's
1: a—that's probably the paparazzi coming to photograph us. Yeah, right. I think
0: it's a police helicopter heading somewhere. In L.A., a
1: police helicopter? No way. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: So, we're, we're in Hollywood. You know.
1: <laughs> they're after someone. So when you're when you're photographing, is it? Explain the feelings that you have when you're sh- okay. when you're shooting.
0: Uh, okay, very quickly. I certainly have answers on that. To begin with, your subject is very important. Don't ever sort of diminish them in thinking you're you're the big shot because you're the individual with the camera. Mm-hmm. But you have to make them feel confident and that you care about them, and uh, that is part of the secret. And they often say to me at the end of a, a seeing uh, my pictures projected, uh, how do you do that? And I say, I don't do it alone. We do it together. And it's a very important lesson if you're w- making portraits of someone is that they should feel comfortable because often photographers forget that people are very nervous about having their picture taken. Mm-hmm and part of your job is to make them comfortable and make them realize that they have, they are part of the process, very mm-hmm. much so. And uh, I really want that passionately, that I really do. I want them to feel that, and uh, that I realize their importance. And so uh, if they find later that it's it captured the right thing, I'm happy, but you can't do it any other way. It's not a one-person orchestra, not not an individual orchestra. You do it with your your subject. So
1: when I used to do a lot of portraits, I I always found it helpful to have a lot of other, I don't want to say distractions, but I found it easier when there were other people or other things going on because I found that when I was working, I didn't necessarily want to talk a lot. I wanted to, the, the hunt and the, the thrill of making the photo was the fun part for me and when people other people were around and things were happening i found it was nice because it gave other people a chance mm-hmm. to talk and do mm-hmm. things when you're working is it are you kind of simultaneously having two dialogues you're having one with the person you're photographing and one in your own head
0: undeniably i'm having one in my head is the focus right is the f-stop right is is uh, could this be lit better and then you have another this is more of a a secret one, you say, oh, she has a very strange nose. And then what you say to yourself is, how can I make this look better? Do I move back with a longer and is, lens?
1: And this is all while you're, you're talking it's all, to the person.
0: Yeah. I, I, there are two conversations going. The, the, the one which is on the surface yep. and the one that I'm having with myself. Because, you know, you can have the most wonderful experience photographing somebody but if you don't get the goods Mm -hmm. then then it's a Very serious loss.
1: So speaking of that um, Failure is something that I'm fascinated by because there seems to be a different reaction to it in 2016 than there was back in the day
0: I want to say something right here. Okay Uh, After a shoot I replay it in my head. Sometimes I wake up at night and I say and it's both positive and negative, Mm -hmm. say, I I know I was on because I got this, this, and that, or I think they were distracted. Mm -hmm. What did that? How can I prevent that from happening in the future? How can I make them feel happy and comfortable? And uh, usually, if I feel I've really succeeded, uh, they leave feeling good yeah that's what I like. Uh, they shouldn't be like a trip to a dentist's office for drilling in their mouth or something like that. No, it's not that it's they should feel leave feeling they they have contributed, and there's going to be value in what you've done together with them.
1: There's nothing better than making a picture that you you you're pretty sure you have where you know that you just you just got something There's this feeling of sort of elation that allows you to then get crazier and experiment even more is there is there a shoot that you remember that didn't go well that you looked at and said you know what it didn't go well but i i I actually learned something in the process
0: i absolutely that definitely is a case i have undeniably had as early in my career i probably made more um failures than Mm -hmm. great pictures i mean i could go back to when i was a young man with a speed graphic in my hand going to a wedding's and uh, we used flash bulbs in the time, and I realized that I was shaking the camera, so <laughs> things like that, and uh, I had to learn. And, um, but I always want to review what I've done, and uh, especially if you're traveling and doing a, uh, like a travel story or something mm-hmm. for a publication, uh, you have to say, what is the essence of this, and did I get the most out of it? Was I working with too little light what uh, and the other thing is, and people in the medical profession speak often of a, of a bedside manner. Mm-hmm. I don't literally mean it sexually in any way. I mean bedside manner being as in how uh, you operate, being able to calm people down. Mm-hmm. And I think having a very good bedside manner is is very very important. And you have to make people feel good as you're doing it. But you can't lose yourself in that. You can't say, oh, am I not great? Because the look at this is happening. You have to be splitting your head in different places.
1: Is there a shoot that you would say is the definitive shoot of your career? Or is there any shoot that you, you daydream about or you think about and sort of reflect back on it on a regular basis?
0: The uh, most important shoot is I've, I was photographing you right now that would be my most important one, It's the, what I'm doing now, I want to push myself to the limit and if I have to try to relax you more, Mm -hmm. I will do whatever I can and uh, I try to know something about the people I photograph, if possible. For example, I had a, uh, uh, I've had different examples, I've photographed different People in industry, mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, they've made millions or yeah, they've invented this or that. And uh, uh, sometimes they are thrown by the camera looking at them. Mm-hmm. I I photographed the president of Bank of America years ago, and he was very uncomfortable. And what I had to do is throw some words into it again. I uh, said, you know for many people it's not too comfortable to be photographed but i really want to make the most out of this opportunity with you and uh i photographed uh, and i will talk about jfk and mm-hmm. some people like that and uh we did very nicely together and things like that this is it you, you and you suddenly you find oh if he's done that uh if he's done this yeah he's probably well, going to make me look pretty good yeah and that's and i and he cares he really cares to make me. He wants me to make it look good.
1: When, when you started this all those years ago, did you, did you have a goal in mind when you started out? I mean, I, think, I, I had a goal that I immediately abandoned, but it was what got me in in the first place. But did you look and think, you know, and hey, 50 years from now, I'm going to be photo- oh. making portraits and being a photographer?
0: No, I, I never thought of it quite in that way. And uh, I gave some numbers earlier. I, that's not important. I just want to pe- people to see what the possibilities are.
1: Well, I think, I think that's important because people, we talked earlier before we were recording about it's a, being a photographer today is a very difficult thing. And I think you have to want it more than you possibly imagine if you're really going to make it. But yes. the, the beauty is that if you do make it and you somehow learn to make original work, your work can have a value that can then provide you the opportunity to go and do what you really want to do.
0: Right. That's absolutely. really what we're all here do, doing well, it for. Undeniably. Your point is very valid there. I mean, it's not just taking pictures. It's taking the pictures you want. That's right. And feel you can make the, the most out of that, the, that photo session. And it can be people in all sorts of professions. I mean, I know a number of doctors, for example, and I I have a different... Sometimes they're interested in photography, so we get talking about mm-hmm. that. I was just talking with somebody this morning about his, his camera and his pictures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's always something to connect with people on, and that is what I think most people want. They want to feel comfortable uh, and know that you're making them look good and you care about making successful a successful picture a series of pictures mm-hmm. of them and uh that's that's it i've worked for i've worked for a lot of different types of publications that's something else i will say at this point um, i've been through cycles of of all sorts of work we've talked about look and life mm-hmm. movies uh, but i also worked for fortune i worked for different publications in different times for right. example there was a Uh, a period in the the beginning of the 80s when science publications were all the big thing and I got interested in astronomy and I became sort of an astronomy junkie whenever I'd get to a a new town I'd I'd go to the bookstore and see whatever new books there were on astronomy or other forms of uh, science because I I worked for a number of publications doing some science work, and uh, that's that's part of the wonderful thing that that can happen in photography, is you learn to learn, and from that you interpret better, and uh, it's it's exciting. It really is. I mean, I I say that with glee because I've had various opportunities. I want to also say something else. The road can be bumpy at times. Mm-hmm. I always tell students, don't think you'll always be on top of things. You can have, like I had a very quiet period at the beginning of the 90s. It's when uh, there was a, a recession, a mm-hmm. very uh, major one, and suddenly the, the magazines like time and uh,
1: they got quiet too
0: they got very quiet and I used to do a large portion of their covers for them and they suddenly didn't want to pay the 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 fee that my agent was getting for them and so you have to what I did is I became interested in Photoshop and the use of computers and I I spent a couple of years doing that whenever I wasn't on Mm -hmm. shoots And people used to say, well, what's what's gone wrong with Kirkland? He keeps looking at a computer. Um, (laughs) And and then a a few years later, in fact, a group of photographers in Paris at at Sigma, uh, an agency I was associated with, came over to me and said, Kirkland, this digital stuff has to be stopped. Uh, (laughs) You're going to destroy (laughs) photography. Well, it didn't happen to work that way, and within five years, they were all trying to learn it themselves. Um, just the way we can transmit and submit material, and how we, what we can do, what we can photograph. Well, so that that's how I, I invested my time because I was interested in well, all I think sorts of things.
1: You've been doing this for a long time, and you've adapted many many times to many new things whether it's trends in the industry it's a cultural change it's a technology change etc I have a question about originality which is when you first picked up a camera and let's say you first starting you're working for the newspaper and then you get into look in life was there a time when you were making pictures that were really kind of other people's pictures because you were looking around or did you immediately realize that you were seeing things in a unique way and that you were making unique work
0: I have to tell you the truth on this, and that is I've probably had enough ego (laughs) that I thought, I can do this better. Uh, So-and-so has done this, but I think I see another way of doing it. And it was similar in uh, working for science publications. I found myself talking with astronomers way beyond my head, because I didn't study astronomy for many years in school, etc. Right. And... uh, but they were interested because I I could converse with them at least, and that is exciting stuff. Now those science publications all went away.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: went away as quickly as they came. There was there were publications like Science Digest. There mm-hmm. was another one called Omni. Oh yeah. And uh, that doesn't exist today. And I used to work for Omni quite a lot. Um, and it was exciting to keep learning and expanding and find new ways of looking and you, you use lights or not. And uh, that was all part of the process. I get excited by learning and uh, continuing to do things. And that's why I'm excited today. I mean, I uh, everything has its place in time and uh, you always have to be prepared to have some downtime. In sure. other words, don't think because you get established that you're you're not. No one's ever going to uh, knock you back, as you will fall your behind more than once in in a 50-year career, uh, or 50, closer to 60-year in my case, career. Well,
1: speaking of exciting, it's it's exciting to be finally sitting here in front of you. I've, I've known you now for a long time, but we've never done what we're doing right now. Um, secondly, it's too dark for me to see my qu- the rest of my questions, but I'm just going to end with one, which might seem a little obscure, but it's not. Um, I work for Blurb, and the, the founder of Blurb is famous for coming back to the office and saying, hey, I sat next to so-and-so on the plane, and we came up with this amazing idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was thinking to myself what it would be like to land on a flight and get seated next to you and very innocently lean over and, you know, you start the small talk and, as people do on planes, and someone says, oh, what do you do? How do you answer that when someone says, on a plane, what well, do you do? Well, to begin
0: with, I don't want to appear to be bragging. Maybe I've said too much, but I, I say it with enthusiasm here to, tonight. But uh, it's, what do I do? I take pictures, and I, I do books, and I do work with my wife, Francoise, and we work in different parts of the world. And uh great satisfaction in doing books as well, because it's a, a statement that lasts longer than a publication that comes and goes anywhere between uh, a day, if it's a newspaper, or a month, if it's a periodical. And all, all of this is, uh, and, and so I don't say, I am this, I am that. You don't say, I, look. I will be more inclined to say, what do you do? Because that can be more interesting.
1: Well, the reason I ask is that I, I always, people would say, oh, what do you do? I'm a photographer. Oh, really? What kind of photography do you do? And depending on the mood or how tired I was or how long the flight was, if I wanted to talk, I would say, "I'm a documentary photographer." Uh-huh. and they would go, "Oh really, what kind of stuff do you do?" If I didn't want to talk, I would say, "I'm a wedding photographer," and it never uh-huh. elicited the follow-up question
0: Listen, but there, there's nothing wrong with wedding photographers are some very good ones out there
1: there, there are um, It just doesn't have the same cachet when when no. it's you know in, in the public so mm-hmm. um, but you brought up books again and let's let's end with with the books. There, why why is it so important even in the 2016 for people for photographers to look at their work in book form?
0: Well, frankly, I've done a, a number of uh, books with Blurb, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been very satisfied with with the results. And uh, so let me just go through it. You you let's say a Blurb book. You uh, know your material, uh, and uh, for example, I photographed. Uh, all the people up for Oscars, two years ago, and uh, nominees, mm-hmm. and uh, there were thirty of them, and uh, they they were in an exhibit over at the Academy of Arts and Motion Picture Arts and Cinema. I think I went to that. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You did. Okay. So uh, uh, it was suddenly it was all over, and uh, but what I wanted to do is put a book together. And uh, so I, I designed one because I've been around mm-hmm. design studios enough that I have a somewhat of a feel for that. And I made, I made uh, that book of, of the different people who mm-hmm. were up for Oscars and commented on it. That is exciting. It's giving more permanence to that work. And that, that year, two years ago, I think it was, or three years ago. And uh, because things do come and go. And the Academy ended up buying some of those books for their own, own use.
1: And it also makes you, you think about the work in the sense that you've got to choose a cover, you have to choose a sequence. You've, it really give, allows you the, the, the privilege of spending time with critical thought aimed at nothing but your work to try and get your head around and it to put I the book together. I
0: totally with you on that. That's exactly... It's, it's, you're right on, I believe, because it gives... You distill the work in your mind more, and then when you put it on the page with some words added, if, if, there, if it's appropriate mm-hmm. to put words, that's the ultimate goal for me. That's the bottom, bottom line, and that's what Douglas Kirkland is.
1: Well, I think that's a perfect, uh, a perfect way to end. Thank There's you. There's no more Thank choppers. You. I don't hear the music in the radio station coming through, and it's too dark for my questions. Okay. Thank you so much for taking it, the time to do this.
0: I'm glad that you could do this today with me. Absolutely I, I'm honored. This is not anything that either one of us were looking for, but I, I've enjoyed talking with you. Me too. And I, I respect did. what you've done as well.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Thanks again.
0: And your wife, Amy, has has been a friend for many years.
1: Absolutely. We gotta work her in. Definitely. Absolutely. She's going to be listening to this. So, um, yes, she was she was adamant about putting this together. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad she did. Okay. This is um, this has been a, a highlight for me.
0: I'm 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 taking your hand and shaking it. But yes. I'm Also shaking Amy's. Absolutely. Because I'm sure in your life, the same as in Francoise's life with me, she has contributed a great deal
1: absolutely it's uh i think about it all the time there's no way that i would have ever been able to do what i did in photography without without her because like you said there are times where you're getting knocked back all the time and you're potentially not a nice person to be around because i think as a photographer we all have a bit of ego i think we all have a bit of insecurity and then you've got the industry putting pressures on you and you feel pulled and then the actual sometimes the Things get it's tough, and without a good support system, it can be really rough. And they've been, uh, you know, Amy's been wonderful.
0: Absolutely, and our ladies do have a great deal to do with that.
1: And now we get to go eat with them. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks Enjoy again, Douglas. With you. you too.
0: Okay. Bye.